I just took a picture of this this morning, so that's, I'm reading it here. Uh, while teaching children about world religions, a teacher asked her students to bring in a symbol of their family's faith to class. I think this joke came to my mind because today is uh, a time where we're going to celebrate together with food and fellowship, mostly food. It says, the next day, she asked each of the students to come forward and share the symbol of their faith with the class. First child said, I'm Muslim, and this is my prayer rug. The second child said, I'm Jewish, and this is my family's menorah. The third child said, I'm Roman Catholic, and this is my mom's rosary. The fourth child said, I'm Orthodox, and this is an icon of my patron saint. And the fifth child said, I'm Pentecostal, and this is my casserole dish. <laughs> oh, yeah. We love to eat, don't we? Well, it's uh, a real privilege to uh, be with you today and to bring the word of the Lord. And I want to say first, I'm going to first say thank you to Pastor Bruce for uh, inviting my wife and I to uh, share in two services with you today. It's pretty awesome. Um, I first heard Pastor Bruce speak about five years ago uh, at a pastor's gathering in Fredericton at the uh, Sunset Church. Uh, it's a large church in Fredericton. Uh, pastor Bruce was not the main speaker. He was not the keynote speaker. The keynote speaker was a pastor from Maine. Uh, but for me, Pastor Bruce was the keynote speaker because I don't remember a word that the pastor from Maine said, but I certainly remember the message that Pastor Bruce brought about the kingdom of God. And uh, last year when I was uh, planning and thinking and praying about our men's retreat, uh, just sort of out of nowhere, Pastor Bruce Morrison's name appeared on my radar. And it was a miracle because it was a miracle that I rem remembered his name. Because, you know, once you get into your 50s, um, the memory's not, right? You, you know you're getting older when you can't rely on your memory like you used to. So anyway, I remembered his name and looked him up and, and uh, extended an invitation. And he accepted and came and, and ministered to our men over a weekend. And... Uh, we had a great time together in the Lord. Uh, the message I want to bring to you this morning is a message that I hope will help you make some sense of your life. Uh, that is, help you make sense of those dark seasons in life when you wonder, uh, where is God? What is he doing? Why is this happening to me? Why am I doing something wrong? I don't understand what's going on in my life. Ever asked any questions like that? So that's, uh, that's where I'm going this morning with this message. 
And uh, I have three passages of Scripture I'm going to read and then uh, pray. Actually, they're on the, uh, the screen. Could you put the first one up? There we go. This is uh, Joseph, the patriarch Joseph speaking to his uh, brothers. He says, as for you, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Genesis 50. The next one, please. This is from Jeremiah 18, the story of the potter's house. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make it. And then one more scripture. We know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Amen. Would you join your heart with mine as we pray? I can't take that right now. Lord, we're so grateful to be in your home this, this morning. We're grateful for every opportunity to gather together as the family of God, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And I simply ask this morning, Lord, that you would help me to say something that will help someone who's here today. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. It seems to me that so much has been preached to our generation of Christians about the promises of God that it would be very easy to conclude that Christianity is comprised solely of promises to be claimed and promises to be believed and promises to be received at the expense uh, of other biblical teaching on how God works in the lives of his people. And while it is absolutely true that Christianity is extravagantly rich in promises, the promises themselves need to be understood in their proper perspective because if they're not, uh, disappointment, discouragement, even disillusionment can set in because of the I don't know, it's like a seeming contradiction between that which is promised to the Christian and that which is experienced by the Christian. So, how should we understand this? This, uh, this distance, this chasm between that which is promised to us and, but so, and so often that which is experienced by us. Well, I'd like to suggest to you this morning that the answer is found in one little word. 
And that word is process. Can you say process? Process. And process is what I want to speak to you about today. And in fact, it's the title of my sermon. There it is right there. The promise and the process. So here's the deal. Our God is as much a God of process as he is of promise. But here's what tends to happen. We get all excited about the promises of God that we lose sight of the process of God, the process we will pass through in order for the promises to be fulfilled in our lives. And the classical biblical example of promise and process is the Old Testament story of Joseph. If you're familiar with the story, you will know that God revealed to Joseph by way of a dream that one day he would rule over his mother and his father and his 11 brothers. If you remember the story, in his dream he saw the sun and the moon, his mom and dad, and 11 stars all bowing down and paying homage to him. And what happened? Well, Joseph got all excited about the promise. And he began to speak the promise. And he began to confess the promise. And he began to boast in the promise that one day he's going to be the, the, the top gun. He's going to be the grand poobah. And everybody is going to bow down to him. But, and this is a big but, what God did not reveal to Joseph by way of a dream is the process Joseph would pass through in order for the promise to be fulfilled in his life. Here's the process. Your brothers will hate you, Joseph. Your brothers will betray you, Joseph. Your brothers will sell you into slavery like a common slave. And then they will lie to your father claiming that you are dead. And you will be carried off as a slave, as a captive, into a foreign land with a foreign language and a foreign culture. And in that land, you will be accused of sexual assault by the lying, cheating wife of its second highest official. And you will do time. You will spend years in prison for a crime you did not commit. That's process. That's process. And of course, you can see why we like to preach about the God of promise. We like to sing about the God of promise. But when it comes to the God of process, But I want to highlight something from the story that really puts on display the wisdom of God in his dealings with Joseph. God revealed to Joseph the promise, but not the process. God revealed to Joseph the promise, but not the process. Because if God had revealed the process to Joseph, Joseph would have said, that's not a dream, it's a nightmare. And I want nothing to do with it. So there is a promise, but there is a process. Let's uh, 
transition to the story of the potter. The story of the potter's house is a story about process. It's a story about how a lump of clay is processed into a vessel of honor. Anybody here want to be a vessel of honor to the Lord? Well, this story's for you. Here's what God told the prophet Jeremiah to do. He said, Jeremiah, I want you to go down to the potter's house, and there you will hear my word. So Jeremiah goes down to the potter's house, and he sits, and he waits, and he sits, and he waits. And as, as he's sitting and waiting, the word of the Lord comes to him. Jeremiah, watch the potter. Observe the potter. Keep your eye on the potter. And so as Jeremiah is watching and observing the potter, he watches as the potter gets up, walks out of his house, walks into, out into a field, bends down, and he picks up a lump of clay. And the clay is full of roots and rocks and bugs and, and worms. But listen, the potter still wants the clay. Why? Because the potter has a vision for the clay. Did you know that God has a vision for your life? God has a vision for your life, and he is not intimidated by the rocks and the roots and the bugs and the worms. He's not intimidated by your faults and your failings and your foolishness. Because he knows that by the time he has finished processing you, you will become a vessel of honor. Meet for the master's use. So Jeremiah watches as the potter picks up this lump of clay. And well, speaking personally, I could end my message right there. Because personally speaking, I'm just so thankful to be picked up. Yeah. Because when you've been down in the dirt and in the mud and in the gutter of life, you're just even thankful that God even bothered to pick you up. But here's what I've learned about God. God has a whole lot more in mind for you than just picking you up. God wants to make something of you. Question, how does God make something of you? Answer, the same way a potter makes something of a lump of clay. He puts it on the wheel. And he begins to pedal. Ever been on the potter's wheel? If you think you had trouble before God picked you up, think again. You don't know what trouble is till God picks you up. Let me tell you how you know you're on the potter's wheel. You know you're on the potter's wheel when it seems like everything in your life, I'll demonstrate it, is spinning and spinning. And spinning. Sometimes spinning so fast you can hardly keep up. 
Before you can deal with this, here comes that. Before you can deal with that, here comes something else. Before this crisis ends, here comes another crisis. And you spin. Now I'm getting dizzy. Woo. You spin from one issue to another issue, from one problem to another problem, from one uh, crisis to another crisis. And at times it seems like your life is spinning completely out of control. Let me, about, let me tell you about the last time my, I felt like my life was spinning completely out of control. Uh, when the church I pastored in Fredericton, New Brunswick, fired me. When those rascals came to my house on Christmas Eve day and served me my termination notice. And I had a wife and four children and a mother-in-law and a nephew and a Filipino nanny that we'd taken in off the street because she too had been fired from her job and a mortgage to pay. Felt like my life was spinning out of control. And you know, the spinning in your life can confuse you. Because somebody somewhere told you that once you took the Jesus pill, well, you'd live happily ever after. Your life would be like heaven on earth. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't believe in heaven on earth. I believe in heaven in heaven. And earth is what it is. And it seldom changes its menu for anyone. And so if you have ever been confused by the spinning in your life, if you've ever been perplexed by the turning of events, if you have ever felt abandoned by God or forsaken by God, that somehow the devil must be in charge because if God was in charge, he wouldn't have allowed to happen what happened to me. If you've ever felt that way, let me offer you some ancient wisdom from the potter's house. Look under the table and see whose foot is pedaling the wheel. Hallelujah! It's the, whose foot is it? It's the foot of the potter. It's the potter's foot who is pedaling the wheel. So I come to tell someone here this morning that God controls the spinning in your life. God controls when you spin. God controls where you spin. God controls if and how you spin. I mean, away with this teaching that the devil controls the spinning in our life. Listen, if the devil could have ever got his foot on that pedal, he would have spun us lumps of clay off years ago. No. God controls the spinning. The problems, trials, challenges, difficulties do not point to the devil. If anything, they point to the potter's wheel. Now, can you say amen? Are you with me? It's awful quiet out there. Are they always this quiet, Pastor Bruce? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. 
Well, you can't lie in church. Remember that. Yes, I can tell they are. So, um, integral to processing a lump of clay is this. Integral to processing a lump of clay on the wheel is this. It's the touch of the potter's hand. Every now and again, as the wheel is turning and that lump of clay is spinning, the potter stretches out his hand and he touches the clay. And the touch of the potter's hand on the clay effects a change in the shape of the clay. I like that so much I'm going to say it again. The touch of the potter's hand on the clay effects a change in the shape of the clay. And this is why we need to be careful about asking God to deliver us from the pain and the hardships and the difficulties of life because it's in the pain, it's in the hardship, it's in the trial, it's in the difficulty that the potter stretches forth his hand and touches us and changes us and molds us and makes us and shapes us into a vessel for his use. King David said, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. So, Lord, I don't know why I'm going through what I'm going through, but please, touch me while I'm going through it. Lord, I don't know why this happened to me, but it has happened. But please, touch me and mold me and change me and shape me through it. I don't know how familiar you are with this story of the potter's house. So I don't know if you've ever noticed the problem text in this story. There is a problem text in this story, and it's my next slide. Keep going. Right there. And the vessel that he made of clay became marred in the hand of the potter. This is a problematic text for me. Because I could understand if it said the clay became marred in the hand of the potter because the potter's foot slipped or the pedal came off or the wheel seized up. I could understand if the clay became marred because something like that happened. But that's not what happened. The text is very clear. It says the clay became marred in the hand of the potter. Do you know what this means? It means that you can be in God's hands and still have things go terribly wrong in your life. I have a Christian friend whose 12-year-old daughter 
died of leukemia. Devastating. I have a pastor friend whose daughter was sexually molested by a Sunday school teacher. I have a Bible college friend who went to Africa to serve the Lord as a missionary and was killed in a car crash the day he arrived. I have another Christian friend who within one 12-month period, within one year period, lost his newlywed wife to a car crash, his mother to suicide, and his dad to cancer. I had a retired pastor in our church in Ontario and uh, whose his, his oldest daughter's husband committed suicide. He hung himself in the barn. And while driving to the funeral, my pastor friend and retired pastor friend and his wife came upon a car accident and to their horror, it was their youngest daughter killed, dead in the car crash. Life is not made of sugar and spice and all things nice. Life is made of good times, bad times. Life is made of the good, the bad, and the ugly. The clay became marred in the hand of the potter. What about you? Have you ever become marred in the hand of the potter? Broken marriage, nasty divorce, nervous breakdown, child on drugs, child who predeceased you, an adulterous affair, a dehumanizing addiction, a bankruptcy, a business gone bad. I don't know what it's been in your life, but whatever it is, the clay became marred in the hand of the potter. What is the potter to do? The clay, well, it was supposed to be a precious vase. The clay was supposed to be a rare alabaster jar. The clay was supposed to be a vessel of honor unto the Lord, but now the clay has become marred. The clay has messed up. The clay has been foolish. What is the potter to do? Justice says, throw it away. How long will you tolerate the foolishness of this man? The law says death. For the soul that sins, it shall die. Holiness says, unclean, unclean, banish it from my holy presence. But mercy says, may I have a word? Have you thanked God for mercy lately? If it was not for his mercy... Us lumps of clay would have been thrown away and discarded years ago. So what then 
is the potter to do with this lump of clay that has become marred? Well, let's ask the potter. Mr. Potter, what is to be done with this clay that's become marred in your hand? Well, the next slide. He made it again another vessel as it seemed good to the Lord to make it. The potter to make it. Now I find this statement a little confusing because how can it be another? It's either it or it's another. So I'm confused. Like, Which is it? Is it it? Or is it another? What do you think? The text says it's it. No. The text says it's another. So it is another. No. It's it. Well, the text says it's it. No, the text says it's another. So which is it? Is it it or is it another? What is this lump of clay? Is it it or is it another? What does this mean? What does it mean that the potter made it again another vessel? Well... It means that if God picked you up once, he can pick you up again. It means that if God cleaned you up once, he can clean you up again. It means that if God excavated the roots and the bugs and the worms and the rocks from your life once, he can do it again. Listen to me, it doesn't matter what happened last year, last month, last week, last night. His mercies are new every morning. And it's only God who can take our folly and our failures and our foolishness. It's only God who can take our hurt and our pain and our dysfunction and work it all together. For good. Isn't that what the Bible says? God works all things together for good. For those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. In fact, say that with me. God works all things together for good. Yeah. The good things. The bad things. The ugly things, the things that never should have been. God works all of them together for good. See, for too long the church has preached grace in theory, but denied it in practice. Let me tell you what preaching grace in theory, but denying it in practice looks like after you have messed up after you have been foolish after you have become marred the church still looks at you as it instead of another because we have a hard time with grace after salvation we got no problem with grace before salvation but after salvation it's another story Let me ask you a question in closing. Do you believe 
the potter can make you another vessel. See, God believes in grace, even if his people don't. But do you believe that God can make you another vessel? That you are not locked into your past. That what happened to you 5, 10, 15 years ago does not define you. It is not your identity. You are who God says you are. And you are who God can make you to become. He made it again. Another vessel. And so, if you're a Christian here this morning and you have become marred, please don't throw in the towel. God can take whatever it is and He can actually mold you and shape you and make you into a vessel of honor through it. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, meaning you've never personally bowed your knee to Jesus and confessed Him as Lord and Savior and and submitted your life to His sovereignty and invited Him to be Lord over your life. If you're here today and you've never done that, I challenge you, I encourage you, I plead with you, give your life to the potter and watch Him make something beautiful and honorable. Of it. I'm not saying it'll be easy. I'm not saying it'll be sweet. I'm saying that if you give your life to Jesus, God will be with you no matter what life throws at you. I got one final thought for you from this passage. And maybe the worship team would come back up, would you? Because I want to close with a song. Brother, could we sing that last song at the cross that we did earlier? But I want to leave you with one final thought from this passage. In your good times and in your bad times and in your ugly times, in your victories and in your failures, in your ups and in your downs, when you've shined and glittered like crystal or when you were tarnished like brass, God wants you to know something. You were always, 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 in his hand. And the vessel that he made of clay became marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again, another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? I'm going to ask the worship team just to sing this song through, and I'm going to pray. Thank you.